greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Actually, in, in Revelation um, 22, all right, at the end of the Bible, uh, Jesus, uh, after communicating his entire uh, message to the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos, um, sidebar, the, the book of Revelation is an exciting book. Um, you shouldn't stay away from it. It's actually the only book in the Bible that God promises a blessing for those who read it. And most of the symbology is actually explained in it. So he, he explains it as he goes. And all of the rest of the uh, symbols are explained in the Old Testament. Okay? And it's an exciting study in and of itself. And God willing, we'll get to that. But here, I want you to know that as things wrap up, and this is how the Bible finishes, where he reminds the, the church. He says, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Okay? And he says, I am the Alpha and the, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, and they which have the right to the tree of life, that they may enter into the gates and into the city. That's uh, New Jerusalem, that's the, our heavenly city. And it says, but outside, okay, these are people who are not going to make it. And it says, but outside are dogs, those are like unclean people that act like dogs, sorcerers, all right, that could be drug users um, using uh, witchcraft, which has many, many different forms, New Age, uh, you name it, um, Hinduism, Buddhism, they're all forms of of, of witchcraft, and that would fall into sorcerers, sexually immoral, all right, and that would be, you know, anybody that's that's married, that's not married, husband and wife, any other uh, sexual relationship with that is sexually immoral. It's and that would be perversion. Perversion means that it's been altered from its original intent, because God created sex. All right, and when he said to man, Adam and Eve, he, he created them, and he said it was good, and he said it was perfect, and uh, but that's what he created. He wanted us to be fruitful and multiply. God created sex. All right, he doesn't want you not to have it. He just wants you to be licensed to have it. All right, and it says, and murderers, and idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. Uh, unfortunately, that's an awful lot of people. And unless you come to Christ and be cleansed and turn, that's to repent from this, this practicing, not that there might not be some stumbling, an occasion in there where we fall back and we make a mistake, but, you know, Jesus says that the righteous, though he stumble seven times, yet shall he arise. And, and that's, God does that work for us. So let's get into a little bit more on the, uh, the Bema Seat. Those are some good outlining um, scriptures. All right. We read all of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 
talking about, you know, building on wood, hay, and stubble. We just read the uh, Revelation 22. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me for those who work. All right? So there's, there is uh, gifts. All right? Salvation's a free gift. All right? But work is something that we can do for the Lord because he, he needs laborers. Jesus said, lift up your eyes for the the harvest is great. That's the souls that he wants to come into the kingdom. He says the Holy Spirit is there working, all right? The harvest is great. It's ready for a harvest, the world. And he says, but the laborers are few. So God's looking for laborers, all right? And he offers us reward, okay? Into the churches, in the book of Revelation, he makes mention in Revelation uh, chapter 2. He says, I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give each one of you according to your works. So those type of crowns that we'll get into. Uh, Mark chapter 10, Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers, sisters or fathers, mother or wife or children or land for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now and in this time. So the, our, our heavenly 401k is earning some serious interest. All right, and, and God knows what's a righteous or what's right. He knows the right payment. He knows he's not going to overpay you. He's not going to underpay you. He's not stingy either, not stingy at all. I don't know who offers a, a hundredfold uh, that isn't cheating, okay? But uh, crowns represent rewards in Scripture, all right? They're, they're represented as, as crowns. Um, Scriptures reveal that in, originally God wanted a, a kingdom of priests, all right, that were both kings and priests. The Old Testament, by the time the law, the, law, the Torah, was given, there was a separation between uh, kings and priests, all right? Kings couldn't perform priestly duties, and priests weren't to perform kingly duties. They were, they were separate. King David divided those priests into 24 courses, all right, of priests. But in the, the, the New Testament, uh, Peter says that we are a royal generation, a, a generation of kings and priests to our God. So, you know, it, it, there's a, another deeper level of meaning to that, all right? But there's five different crowns. Let's go through them a little bit. We have in 2 Timothy... Uh, the crown of righteousness, all right? And just for, for speed's sake, we're not going to, you know, flip to, to all of these, um, these uh, scriptures. But 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, all right? And this crown will be given to those who live a good and righteous life before God. Because, uh, frankly, there's a lot of Christians who are out there who get saved, all right? But they really don't do anything for God. They come to church every week, um, you get up, you sing, you, 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 you tithe, which is good. But you're, you go and you, you don't necessarily live like a Christian the rest of that week. And only God knows whether that person is truly uh, a Christian or a Christian in name only. All right, But there are those who sit in church and really don't do that much for the kingdom. They just don't get involved for whatever reason. And I want to urge you, if, if that's 
you, all right, and that was me for a while, okay, so been there, be encouraged that even if the pastor doesn't acknowledge what you're doing, okay, he's got a lot going on, all right, even if other people don't acknowledge it, God knows. Remember, he's sitting up on that that beam of seat, and he's watching. He knows how you're performing, and he knows your thoughts and intents. Uh, all right. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the fight, the faith. It's also a good fight. It says, finally, there is laid up for me, that's in our heavenly 401k, a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. All right? That's the day, the judgment day when we stand before him and we receive those things done in the flesh, whether good or bad. Remember, it's both, okay? That should sober us, some of us up, all right? And it says, um, and not to me only, but all those who have loved his appearing. Ooh, what do you mean appearing? Well, there's a second coming, all right? So there's a crown for those who are looking and waiting for God's second appearing. And, and the Lord Jesus Christ admonishes all through the Old Testament and through the New Testament to be watchful, all right? And then um, the second crown is the incorruptible crown, all right? And that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses uh, 24 through 27, all right? This is also known as a, uh, a victor's crown, the imperishable crown, uh, an incorruptible crown, all right? And it says, uh, I like the way the Apostle Paul puts it here. He says, do you not know that those who run in a race, we read part of this already, he says, all run, but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate. That means he can, he's controlled. He's not out eating uh, pizza and beer and hot dogs if he's going to run a marathon, right? And uh, so they're, 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 they, you know, they, they're careful about how they compete, you know, if you want to compete at the highest level, okay? It says, now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we, an imperishable crown, that's our heavenly 401k, all right? Therefore, I run thus not with uncertainty, thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. And when I have preached to others that I, that I myself should become disqualified. And what he's talking about there is, is we don't want to do things that, that disqualify us from doing that, like living a sinful uh, lifestyle in front of the world, stumbling and falling in, in front of the world, and, and uh, therefore um, soiling our testimony before God, all right? And so that's why he says to be temperate, to beat the body into subjection, um, because we live a, a life that has a dual, um, a dual nature. We have a dual nature. We have our sinful carnal nature, which has lusts and desires and things, and really, quite frankly, doesn't even think about the things of God. It's selfish. It's self-centered. Uh, it's part of the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I, my, mine, mine. And uh, we see this in kids all the time, all right? We see this in adults all the time also. But when you become 
a Christian and you begin to renew your mind with the Word of God and God's Word begins to change you and you become to get a, uh, a perspective. And some of the things that I do is I'll, I'll read like Proverbs chapter 1 on the first of the month, Proverbs 2 on the second, so on all the way through. There's 30 uh, Proverbs and there's usually 30 days in a month. That's a good way to do it. You get these little microcosms of truth that help guide your thinking that keep you from living a life that might have um, caused us to stumble because of our, our old man, our carnal nature, our sinful nature, constantly like gravity is pulling us down, pulling us backwards, causing us to backslide. Uh, but God's Spirit has activated us by his Holy Spirit, and the picture that God gives us is like we, we soar like on wings of eagles up on that, that wind, that wind, that updraft is, is God's spirit, all right? And so that whole time that eagle is soaring, okay? He's not flapping his wings. He's just riding the spirit, and that is a picture of living the, the spirit-filled life. But the whole time, if he's not riding that and he's not flapping, he will eventually fall. And so that's part of the, the picture that's there. The third crown is the crown of life, which we find in Revelation 2.10, to the church of Smyrna, which the church of Smyrna was the persecuted church. This church was absolutely uh, under persecution. This is going on now in Dafar uh, and other places around the world where the church is under in China and in in uh, many of the Asian lands and Muslim countries where the the Christians are persecuted simply for being Christians and uh, you know they they receive uh, and and many of them are being martyred and we tend to think here in America because uh, you know we don't really suffer. Uh, persecution uh, very strongly um, besides through the media and press like that but largely we enjoy the freedom to worship but overseas and over the last hundred years there have been more martyrs okay over the last hundred years than there have been since the church age began over the first 1900 years and that should sober you. And there, uh, you can check into some of those things through Voice of Martyrs is a wonderful uh, ministry um, from a man who, who was tortured for, for Christ. And, and he wrote a book about that. So, but here to the uh, church of Smyrna, the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to the persecuted church. He says, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. All right. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, and that happens today, that you may be tested, all right, that you will have tribulation 10 days, all right, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life, all right? And um, that's a tough one. We need to pray for the persecuted church. Fourth crown, all right, crown of rejoicing. This is a soul winner's crown. I mean, the Apostle Paul 
points this crown out to, to the church as he's kind of makes a little summary of, of his ministry and why he's ministering and why he's doing the things that he does. And if you see that theme as you read First and Second Corinthians and other things, now that, you know, uh, God's Holy Spirit has put uh, this beam of seat, this works and, and, and judgment of, of our good works, uh, you'll start to understand and see what was motivating the Apostle Paul and, and why he worked so hard for the Lord Jesus Christ because he considered himself to be the chief of sinners. And, uh, you know, that's Scripture in and of itself. When he says he's chief of sinners, he persecuted the church unto death, all right? But when, when grace was revealed to him, he went to work. All right. So it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 19 through 20, it says, For what is our hope or joy, our crown of rejoicing? Is it not yet even you, speaking to the people that he's been ministering to, all right, you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. Now there's another mention of his coming, his appearing, his coming, all right, for you are our glory and joy, all right? And, and notice how Paul says to those who are in the presence of Jesus at his second coming, his crown of rejoicing. So they, I, I don't know, the way I kind of picture it is like for everybody to have ministered to or whatever, they almost would like appear like as a jewel or a facet in um, your, your crown of rejoicing, all right? And he says um, right here, this author, he says, People believe that Paul is thus implying that a crown will be given to those who are instrumental in getting others saved and into the presence of Jesus. I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. That's why, why we're, we're in it to win it. You know, we're, we're in this to win souls under the kingdom. Jesus embonishes us to go out and to work. There's parables uh, about the vineyard. There's parables and, and teachings about things that are out there. There's also parables about the wheat and the tare that um, Christians and non-Christians appearing looking together, but it's not until the harvest till we understand the motive of whether that was done out of a pure motive or whether that person would become dark and bitter. And that's what temptation and trial will, will show. That will show. And our fifth crown and final crown in winding up this uh, Bema Seat study is the crown of glory. And this is pretty much for uh, leadership, all right? I, the way I see this crown is it seems like it's pointing out um, in First Peter um, uh, chapter 5. I want to go ahead right over there and uh, read this one for you instead of the notes. We'll have this up on the... Uh, the website will have the notes and some some further uh, study that's there. But first, uh, as Peter wraps up here, he's talking about shepherding the flock, the flock of God. So this is obviously a leadership epistle. Um, Peter was a leader, hand handpicked by God. He told uh, Peter to feed my sheep. All right, if you love me, feed my sheep. All right, you don't feed them candy. You don't feed them ear uh, tickling messages. You don't feed them 
based on a popularity poll. You feed them the Word of God. You give them the milk of the Word, and then when they become mature, then they're able to take stronger and stronger uh, messages in this. But uh, Peter says right here, um, if the, if the righteous, ending up uh, chapter 4, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and sinner appear? And that's why we need to be truth to the message of the God. Because if the righteous is scarcely saved, the ungodly and sinner will appear before the great white throne judgment. That's not the throne we want him to appear before. It says, therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him who who in doing good is a faithful creator. And that doesn't really sound like your best life now, right now. It's very popular today and, and quite frankly, will we'll fill the church full of people who are looking for their best life now. But, but God says, uh, even Jesus himself said, all those who want to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. All right? That's if you want to live in godliness. But if you want your best life now, you're probably not going to suffer any persecution. Okay? It's just like if you want to work out, you work out, you're going to become a little bit sore because there's that resistance to our flesh. All right? Shepherd the flock, chapter 5. The elders who are among you, I exhort, and who I'm a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and I also partake of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, all right? Serving is overseers, but not by compulsion, all right? There's our, our motive, all right? But willingly, not for dishonest gain, okay, like a lot of hucksters that are out there that are peddling the word of God for money. Be very wary of that, all right? And when the chief, I'm oh, sorry, let me back up, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonor, dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples, all right, to the flock, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away, all right? So right there, he says, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away, and that's a leadership thing, and that's our lifestyles need to be um, epistles, the way, the, way uh, the apostle Paul put it. He says that, that our lives to an unregenerate world is an open letter. These letters to the churches are called epistles, all right? Collectively, it's the Bible. Our lives are to be open letters because of the way we live, not just on Sunday morning at church, but the way we live day to day, how we approach situations, temptations, this is read by the world because the first thing the world looks is when uh, we stumble and we fall and we make a mistake. They go, ha ha, you thought, you guys, you Christians, you think you're so perfect, right? And no, no, we're not. If, if I thought I was perfect and if any other people think they're perfect and those people who do think they're perfect, that's a false piety, all right? That would be a hypocrite, all right? And they do, they stand out. And I tell people, hey, you can come to church now with the hypocrites or you can go to hell with them later. Be just because somebody sits in a pew every Sunday doesn't make him a Christian. 
all right? Just like sitting in McDonald's doesn't make me a hamburger, all right? What makes us a Christian, all right, is receiving the Lord Jesus Christ into our life. So I want to wrap up this study. And when I ask you, do you know the Lord Jesus? Is he part of your life? Do you work for him? Do you know him? Jesus said that on that day, this is the other seat, the great white throne judgment, he said, many will come to me saying, Lord, Lord, haven't we prophesied and done many miracles? These are obviously religious people, all right? And Jesus will say to them, I never knew you. That should scare you. That's very sobering. But to the others, he'll say, well done, thou good and faithful steward. Come into the, the joy prepared for you from the foundation of the world. God has some awesome things in store for those that love him. And he wants to know you. And it's a relationship. It's not a checklist. It's not about attendance on church. It's not about doing good works that gets you these crowns. All right? Salvation is a free gift of accepting his extravagant love, that great exchange on the cross. Do you believe that, that Jesus died for your sins, that he was buried and rose again for your justification? Because he rose again from the dead, we know that we will live with him because he validated his message to us. And finally, he said he's coming again. The death, the burial, the resurrection, the gospel message. Do you believe it? And you say, if you believe it in your heart and you confess that with your mouth, all right, and you're not ashamed of him when people speak of Jesus around and they slander and malign his, his great name, do you shrink? If you don't know him, well, you're not working for him. Turn to him. Ask him for grace because he's gracious, he's merciful. It's part of his character. He wants to do that. He will come into your life and you will make him both Lord and Savior. The whole Bible was written that we might know that he is Messiah. God bless you. Put your hand to the plow. Go out and do his work and his will. Study his word that we might be workmen that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And now we hope that this session blessed you. We hope that uh, we challenged you. And I ask that all these things be for his glory.
In Jesus' mighty name, I give you thanks and praise. That's it for this one. My name is Keith McKenzie. This is Winds of Change, a Bible teaching ministry. God bless you. I love you. Check back again with us. Try to 